let's just move into what I have today for us, which is called fighting the good fight of faith. Let's see First Timothy chapter six very quickly, and First um, Timothy, First Timothy chapter six verse eleven. Say, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness. Okay, so maybe we should back up a little bit and then see, um, you know, what he was what is asking us to flee. Uh, let's so let's read verse verse six. Say, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Somebody say, godliness with contentment is great gain. Say, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now verse 11, say, but you. So he painted a background of what men in the world, people of the world, the things they are concerned with, the diverse lusts that pushes them, you know, the diverse lusts that, that, that propels them, that makes them do the things that they do. And also the attendant, you know, um, the attendant, whether it's, you call it evil, whether you call it, um, you know, calamity or whether you call it consequences of that lust, you know, he sort of painted a picture about all that is going on there. And he's saying that you, oh man of God, that is you and I, Christians, we should live a life that is completely at variance with this picture is that is that clear is that clear hallelujah so he's saying that people in the world in number one there is no contentment number two there is a pursuit there is an unholy pursuit of riches he wasn't saying that riches is bad you know, if you read verse 10 he didn't say money is bad he said the love of money is the what is the root of all of the love of money that unsanctified, you know, lost, that craving, that unholy desire that doesn't have regulation, you know, and that desire and all that stuff manifests in varying degrees. Uh, have you seen people who do money ritual? Can imagine the level of obsessive love they have for money for you to kill another person? And they are different, you know, and we can look at that and say, oh, that is gory. What about people who steal public funds? Funds, you know, there was a day I was hearing about story of a pastor who was working in the Ministry of Health in the state, and he stole and diverted the money that was meant for mosquito nets for a village for young people. <laughs> and mosquito is one of the highest uh, causes of child mortality. In Africa and in Nigeria, and the pastor of a church diverted the money that was meant to procure mosquito nets, you know, for children. That's like that's like money ritual, isn't it? Even though we don't look at it like that, but that that that's, that's as gory and as cruel as somebody who literally slaughters another person. Amen. 
Am I making sense? Am I making sense? If you don't guard your heart, these same, these same things, you will realize that you are seeing you know, traces of them in your heart to, diff, to, diff, to the degree that you are allowing it. And these things put pressure on us every single day. Amen. They do what? They put pressure on us every Some of us, our love for money, the, the reason why we're not having a, a successful, a consistent devotional life, if we trace it, is love of money. We can't just find the discipline for God in the midst of our work. But when it is work, that discipline will, will come like impartation. Hallelujah. That discipline will come like impartation. Folks who can pray for 30 minutes, they can go all the way. When your boss said you are supposed to close five, but you are closing seven, you don't have a problem with it. The energy just shows up. Hallelujah. You know, and why am I taking time to really talk about the backgrounds? Because I'm taking us somewhere. Amen. Amen. It said, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. If this thing has a root in your heart, there is a temptation and a snare waiting for you. If this is what is propelling you, if this is what you preoccupy yourself with, mostly, mostly, there is already a what? A temptation and a snare. Satan is definitely going to bait you. If you don't consider your work with God, if you don't consider, if you don't position yourself to primarily seek first the kingdom. That's what scripture says. It says, seek ye first what? The kingdom and his what? Righteousness and all other things will be what? Will be added. If we reverse that order and we're seeking the other things first, we have signed up for Satan's bait. And we have signed out of faith. Hallelujah. The Bible said that just shall do what? Shall live. What is, shall they just live by? What shall they just live by? Faith. Your life, my life, is a life of faith. It is not a life of calculations. You know, our generation, we do a lot of calculations. We do a lot of permutations. We do a lot of, if I do this and add this to it and do this and add this to it, then this will just happen. No. Your life is the life of faith. And if it is the light, life of faith, it means that the person directing your life, directing your seasons, ushering you into season, is the word of God. Is God, the voice of the Lord. You are being led by the Spirit. Scripture says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the word. The practicality of being a son of God is not just saying, confessing it, I'm a son of God, I'm a son of God. No. The practicality is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. That's the practicality of it. And a lot of times, we don't, we don't want to allow the Spirit to lead us. Because that's the life of faith. It's the life of being led by the Spirit. We don't want to allow the Spirit to lead us. And when we are not allowing the Spirit to lead us, what we are, what we are doing, you know, by inference, is that we are not subscribing to the life that seeks first the kingdom. Am I, is, that my, is that formula? Am I making sense with what I've just said? When we do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, then we are not walking by faith. 
and by inference, we are not putting the kingdom first. Because that means that we don't trust the Holy Ghost. We don't trust God, you know, to add those things that he said he will add. Is that clear? You know, so he was trying to paint a picture here. Paul was trying to paint that picture to Timothy and say, this is what the people of the world follow after. This is the construct of their heart. This is the things, these are the things they are preoccupied with. But this is what you should preoccupy yourself with. Something in life that is completely opposite what the world preoccupies itself with. So he says in verse 11, he says, but you, O man of God, do what? Flee these things. What are you fleeing? You are fleeing the love of money. You are fleeing the temptation and the trap to want to pursue riches. So pursuit of riches is not your life ambition. See, when you ask some people, what's your ambition? I say, I just want to hammer. <laughs> Amen. I just, everything, money is at the mind of every decision, every, every thought in their head is about how they are going to make more money. There is no contentment. Once they have something, they are looking for the next thing to have. If they buy a new car today and they see somebody drive a better car tomorrow, the, the struggle continues again. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. Hallelujah. So scripture says we should flee the life that leads us into those traps. And what are we supposed to do? We should follow afterward. Verse 11, righteousness and what? Godliness and what? Faith and what? Love. And what? Patience. And what? Meekness. So this is what your pursuit should be. The word follow after means to pursue. This is what you should preoccupy your life with. This is the true, this is what exemplary, this is the embodiment of the true Christian life. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. If I want to sum it up for us, this is what our prayers should be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then verse 12 went on today. He said, fight the word, the good fight of faith. Lay hold on what? Eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let me, can I read that in another translation? Let me see whether I want a contemporary one. Let me see. He said, fight the good fight of faith. I'm reading NIV. He said, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So from this verse, what is the purpose of fighting the good fight of faith? What's the purpose of fighting the good fight of faith? I can't hear us. To lay hold on what? On eternal life. That is the purpose of fighting the good fight of faith. Like I said at the beginning, when the purpose of something is not known, what is going to happen? Abuse is what's going to happen. 
So it is clear from this scripture that what God wants us to preoccupy ourselves with and what he means by fighting the good fight of faith is because when you fight the good fight of faith, the result is that you will lay hold on what? Eternal life. And he says that that eternal life is the life that you were called on to. That is your inheritance when you give your life to Christ. When you agree to work with God on this journey, that is your destination. Hallelujah. And so it describes something that is already there in the realm of the spirit. Am I making sense? It's like me as a father saying, I have set some things aside for my children. And the moment they grow in, you know, in stature and in maturity and in wisdom and they qualify, you know, maybe if they are age 18 and they become an adult, I will just activate that clause and that thing becomes their own and then they can you know, do whatever they want with it. That is, the, that, is the, that is the perspective that we're getting from this verse. Am I making sense? It means that there is something that has already been delivered to you. Fight to lay hold of it. Now, the word fight also speaks of the fact that there is a conflict. We are in a conflict situation, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Now, if you look at the word fight, the good fight of faith, and put it in context of what we've been reading from verse, let's say verse, uh, verse 6, then you will understand the reason for the fight. Hallelujah. You will do what? You will understand the reason for what? For the fight. Because all these other things, the things we read about, you know, um, about the pressure of this life, you know, the deceitfulness of riches, um, you know, the love of money, and all these things. These are things that put a lot of pressure on us on a daily basis, and they take our attention. In fact, even the legitimate things of this life, I mean, look at what he said, verse 6. He said, but godliness with contentment is pretty good. For we brought nothing to this world, and we can take nothing out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So this getting food and clothing is a legitimate thing of life, right? Is it legitimate? Are you supposed to walk around naked? No. But he's saying that if there is no contentment, these things become an endless pursuit. And once it becomes an endless pursuit, it has robbed you of another pursuit. So there are two pursuits. There is a pursuit for this life, to gain this world, to gain this life. This life is the goal, the riches of this life, whatever this life has to offer. That is the goal, and there is a pursuit to gain it. And there are people who are gaining it. And everybody is in that race to gain it. And the people who are touching it are putting pressure, especially in our, in our interconnected world where you are seeing, you know, you are so connected to the person in another state, in another country, and you can see somebody, you can, suddenly you can open your, 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 your Twitter or your Instagram and you see a 21-year-old riding, you know, one big car that even your dad and your generation has never dreamt of. And if you are not careful, those things put pressure on you. And then before you know it, your subconscious is, is lecturing you on how you need to double your hustle. And then it becomes your goal 
suddenly that becomes your value system. You value it and you rate it higher than any other thing. You are a husband, suddenly your family becomes second, you know, takes, uh, what's it called? Second place. Your children take second place. Suddenly there is that, there is that uncontrolled urge. You are in a race, it feels that you are in a race, but you know, you are the only one who can see the people you are in a race with. Somebody gets promotion around you, you feel that they are chasing you. They just got promotion, they, don't, they are not even thinking about you. I, I cannot let them catch me, I cannot, you know, what are my mates doing, what am I doing? So there is a pursuit, there is a race that leads on to perdition. That race leads on to what? Unto vanity. But there is another race. There is another pursuit that brings you what? Eternal life. So Paul was admonishing Timothy here. Ignore this one. The end of it is vanity. Follow this one. The end of it is what? Eternal life. So that is why the Lord removed you from the midst of the world. That's why he separated you. That's why he picked you and made you alive when you were worthless. So that you can use your life for that which is what? For that which is eternal. For that which was what? Eternal. Hallelujah. Am I making sense this, month, this evening? Is it very clear? So God wants us, God wants us to do what? To run his own race, not the race of the world. Hallelujah. Give me Matthew 6 very quickly. Matthew 6, verse 28. He says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Say now if God so does what? Clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of what? Little faith. Verse 31. Now, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Verse 32. For after all these things, the what? The Gentiles seek. I like the way NIV put it. It said, for the pagans. <laughs> they use the word pagan. It said, the pagans, the godless people. It said, they run after all these things. And your heavenly father does what, sir? Come on now. Does what? Your heavenly father does what? Know that you need them. You know, we, the way we behave is that we think God doesn't know we need those things. We relate with God as though he doesn't know. He's not aware. He doesn't see the need for it. So we try to convince him. We try to sell him the idea, God, can't you see me? <laughs> can't you see my life? What is going on? What is going on? Are you sleeping? Don't sleep on my matter. You know, we don't see that God knows. 
And a lot of that perspective comes because we are under pressure. We have put ourselves in a place where we are under pressure. Am I making sense tonight? Am I making sense? Bible said God knows that you need those things. Hallelujah. Now verse 33, it says what? He said, but seek first is what? His kingdom and his what? Righteousness. Does that correlate with what we read in 1 Timothy 6? That we should follow after what? Righteousness, godliness, love, meekness, patience. When you choose to prioritize that, what you are doing is you are signing out of the life of struggle, signing out of the life that is pursuing vain things and signing on to the life that is pursuing eternal things. And when you do that, God will prove his faithfulness to you. By doing what? By adding to you the things that you would have spent your life chasing after. Hallelujah. Now, does this mean we should not walk? No. <laughs> does it mean we should not dream? No. Does it mean we should just sit down and say, I'm waiting, you know, I'm not working. You see job, job opportunities, you say, no, you know, I'm just waiting for the kingdom. No, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that that does not become your ultimate pursuit in life. Amen. That is not your what? That is not your ultimate pursuit in life. Number one, number two, that is not the measure of your worth. Because you always measure yourself by what you think your ultimate pursuit is. What is most important to you is how you are going to measure yourself. If that thing is absent in your life, you will measure yourself lower. So you have what? You have low self-esteem. If you have that thing to a certain degree, pride will now set in. Because you are deriving value from that thing. Then the superiority complex sets in. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Do you get what I'm trying to say? But God said that measure yourself by things that are eternal. And then fight for it. Strive for those things. Let that be your primary pursuit. Let that be your primary goal. Let it be that thing that you cannot but do. That you cannot afford to do without. And then every other thing will what? Be added. Why is this very, very important? Why? Because... When we choose the life of faith, then we have received entrance into the supernatural. Should I say that again? Should I say that again? When we choose the life of faith, it is our entrance into the what? The supernatural life. It's our entrance into the supernatural life. The life of faith is your entrance into the supernatural life. What does Isaiah 41 say? He said, those that wait on the Lord. Is it Isaiah 41? He said, those that wait on the Lord shall do what? Shall renew their what? Their strength. He said, they shall do what? They shall mount up with wings like eagle. Generally, at the level of men, people who wait get weary. Right? Even scripture says, says hope deferred makes the heart what? Makes the heart what? That is the natural order. When something is delayed, your heart begins to shake. 
But the reverse is the case when you're waiting on God. You are gaining strength. You are gaining momentum. You are gaining power. You are gaining insight. Then you are, your ability, the rate at which you are moving, becomes very increased. Why? Because now there is a new equation in the system. Am I making sense? Am I making, there's a new equation where? In the system. And that is what God wants us to lock onto. That's the life that God wants us to lock onto. He doesn't want us to be, to, to, to stay with the life where it is only our hands that is bringing forth, you know, the fruit of our lives. Because we are very limited, if that is the system we're subscribing to. He wants the supernatural life to be our natural realm, to be the realm that we are at home in. Hallelujah. And you see that in the life of, you know, um, of people who have worked with God. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3. Of course, we know what faith is. It says faith is the what? The substance of things hoped for, the what? The evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, what does it say? It says, for by it, who? Who? The elders did what? Obtained a good testimony. Another translation says a good report. What they did basically was to fight the good fight of faith. That was simply what they did. All these elders, what did they do? They fought the good fight of faith. And if you look through it, by the time you begin to read from Abraham, to from you know, read from Enoch, read from um, Noah, read from all of them, all of them basically, what was you, you can sum up their life on these three things. Number one, they heard God concerning something. Number two, they believed God and what they heard and they followed through with it. Even when they were being faced with conflicting circumstances in the natural, they stuck with it. That is everything. All of them, look at them, you will see that three things. They heard God. So all of them had ability to do what? To hear. They would do what? They had ability to do what? To hear. So fighting the good fight of faith, one of the most critical, one of the most critical things you need to be able to fight the good fight of faith is the ability to hear God. It's the ability to do what? To hear God. Scripture says that by faith, Abraham, when he was called by God to do what? To leave his father's house. Obeyed. He heard God. What God told him was completely different from the system that he was born in, that he was used to, but because he was convinced. Scripture says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness. He became righteous by simply believing what God said. Just like Mary did. Mary, after listening to the angels, I mean, Zachariah listened to the angel and he had doubts. And they said, how can these things be? And they had to shut his, his mouth and his ears. Mary had another, you know, a, a more difficult word to actually, I mean, the, John was not born by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Am I making sense? Jesus was born by the power of the Holy Ghost from a virgin who had never slept with a man. That's more difficult to believe. But what did Mary say? Be it unto me what? According to your word. That was faith. 
That was her fighting the good fight of faith. Agreeing with God. Agreeing with God. So, all of them, you'll see them, they heard God. There is no life of faith without the ability to hear God. It is foundational. It is basic. And thank God we've treated how to hear God very extensively in a, in a, in a in previous uh, workshop. So please get the messages. you find it on, on, on Spotify. There is no... You must give room to hear God in your Christian life, your prayer life, in your study. You must give room in your heart to hear God. Don't practice dead religion. Did you hear what I said? Don't practice what? Don't practice dead religion. Don't practice dead. Don't just wake up morning, pray, and read your Bible, and that's all. It's not producing fruit. You're not meditating on it. It is not, you know, precipitating into your heart. Then you're just doing a one-way traffic. Hallelujah. Prayer is not just a one-way traffic. It is communion. When you pray, when you speak to God, God speaks back to you. That's what makes a difference between us and other religions. We have a living God, a present God, who hears you and who speaks to you and who leads you by his spirit. That's the life of faith. Hallelujah. So every one of them had the ability to hear God. Noah was able to hear God when God told him to build an ark. And he believed it. He agreed with that word. What has God spoken to you about that you have not fully agreed with? And why have you not fully agreed with it? Is there a challenge? And usually when God speaks, see God does not have respect, like we had on Sunday, God doesn't have respect for what your prevailing external circumstances are. He doesn't. I mean, God told Abraham at 75 that you are a father of many nations. He didn't even have a child. But that's, that, that's, that, that is, it is man's view that makes those things look difficult. Am I making sense? At looking at God's perspective, Abraham is a father of what? If God changed his name, you are no longer Abraham. You are what? Abraham. That is your identity. That's what I see. And faith is agreeing with what God sees and what God says. So, oftentimes, when God speaks to us, when God speaks to us, we still don't have God's perspective yet. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Sometimes, the word, we don't have to be in a perfect place for the word of God to come to us. We just have to have our heart open. And the action of faith is actually what removes us from where we have, the perspective we have, to where God is. Am I making sense? That was what happened to Abraham. Absolutely. When God spoke with him, he said, Abraham believed God. If you read Genesis 15, when he was complaining to God about God, you told me I'm going to be a father of many nations, but look in my house, I don't have an heir. And is this Eleazar of Damascus, who is not my seed, he's the one that is going to become my heir. And God said, no. You are going to give birth to a child. Someone from your loins will be the heir of your house. He said, and God led him out. He said, come outside, come outside. Let me show you something. So I'm not just talking to you about just one child. Let me show you something. He said, look at the skies. 
So look at the skies. He said, as the stars of the skies, that is how your seed will be. By that action of faith, Bible says Abraham did what? He believed God. Faith had moved him from what he was seeing, the wrong things he was seeing. He has moved to seeing what God is seeing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is the first fight. Somebody said that is the first fight. We must move from what we are seeing to what God is seeing. Some of us, we need to really fight concerning our identity, what we think of ourselves. Because there has been years of work that has gone on in our lives to make us think about ourselves from this realm. Hallelujah. We have defined ourselves by so many things that God has not defined us by. We've defined ourselves by our tribe, We've defined ourselves by our, whether we have money or not. We've defined ourselves by our status, whether we are married or not, or single or something. We've defined ourselves by so many things. Some of us have believed the things that people have been calling us. So there is an identity crisis already. And those things, they serve as, you know, obstructions. Anytime you want to rise up in faith, they shut you down. They are like gate men, gatekeepers, holding you back. In the prison of life. But the more you give attention to what God has said about you, the more there will be what? An erosion of those wrong things out of your life. That is the first fight of faith. That is the what? That's the first fight of faith. That's the first fight of faith. That's the first fight of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, somebody, you know, even though the scripture didn't explicitly say, say it, but one guy that I know must have really gone through this is Paul. How can you go from somebody who used to be the leader of the bandwagon of people who persecute the church to now to be somebody who is now heralding the message? Some of you won't realize that I'm sure one of the things Paul would have really fought with is the guilt of the things he had done. And that was why he really had breakthrough regarding faith, righteousness by faith. Because he needed it. He's done so much nonsense. Am I making sense? He's done so much, so much of wrong things. And those things most likely would have become major obstructions to him seeing who he really was in God. And that's why the knowledge of righteousness by faith was so crucial to him. And God gave him that knowledge. Because he needed to fight his own fight to move from what his life had always been to what God has now called him to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You must fight to establish and to walk in what God has called you to be. Amen. Is it clear? Is that clear? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so we've talked about the fact that the purpose of fighting a good fight of faith is to obtain eternal life. You know. 
and I've said we'll see that in the life of we see that in you know and you know fighting eternal life let me also say this to us very foundational sometimes the manifestation of eternal life at certain level is healing the manifestation of eternal life at certain level is prosperity at the very, even though those are very, very basic and foundational levels. Am I making sense? But as you, it's like when you teach, it's like when you teach your child to write, when you teach your child to hold, to hold, uh, what is it called? A, a pencil or a biro, and you teach your child how to write. You know, if you look at most primary schools, they teach, they do writing. You know, the purpose of that writing is not so that he can just write letters. Am I making sense? That guy is going to become somebody one day, maybe let's say, for example, a doctor, and he will need to write prescriptions that will save a life. Do you understand? He's going to become an engineer someday, and he needs to do calculations or create formulas that can translate to maybe automobile engineering or aeronautical engineering. Am I making sense? Now, Sometimes what happens to us is that we look at the basic art of writing and we think that is the destination. So the fact that I'm putting my faith, I'm walking in faith for healing and I'm getting healing is like me training myself to write. There is a deposit that that skill is useful for that is beyond just writing ABC. Do we get what I'm trying to say? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Some people will say, oh, it's just ABC. Well, let me not waste my time. But that thing that you are not doing at that basic level, you are going to see the, river, the, the consequence of it at a much higher level. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So whatever it is that the scripture has spoken concerning you, whether it is healing, whether it is health, whether it is prosperity, you know, what else again has scripture promised us? The basic things, you know, we must ensure we engage them by faith. Not because that is our destination, but in that engagement of faith, we are building faith for much higher stuff. And if we don't pass those foundational levels, we are not going to graduate to a what? To a higher class. And that is why our whole life is a life of faith. Everything the scripture, everything contained in the scripture that God has spoken about you, it is yours. You must take, lay hold of it. You must. It is a life that we must constantly challenge ourselves to come into what God has said about us. Absolutely important. If you do not, you are robbing yourself of the inheritance that is meant for you. There are certain people, they are very high in knowledge. If they can share revelation, but they can't trust God for basics of faith. Why? Because, you know, knowledge in the head is just, Bible says knowledge does what? Puffs up. But they have, don't have a life where they have actually engaged in waiting on God, in following the leading of the Spirit. So the knowledge is just mere head knowledge. It has not produced fruits inside of them. Is it clear what I'm saying this evening? Is it very clear? Hallelujah. Amen. 
So while I am trusting God for an open door that God has spoken about, while I'm set, while I'm, you know, I'm engaging that word of God by faith, the purpose of it is not just in the open door. I am training myself to live by faith. I am training myself to live by faith. I remember, you know, when I, when I, was, when I wanted to go to, you know, to university, and I was already in the university, and I didn't like that university. I just, I just didn't like it. I wanted to go to another university. I wanted to go to OAU. And one day I was praying. I remember this was sometime in March, March of that year. I think it was March 2000 or 2001. I can't remember. I was praying and God spoke to me. He said, Dami, I am sending you to Ife. You are going to go to you. My purpose is waiting for you there. You know, and once I heard that, this was five months before the admissions and all those things. Because that was... This was March. Admission was going to happen around August, September, something like that. From the moment I heard that word, I, I became very unserious in, <laughs> in you. I was at UNAT, so I became very unserious in UNAT. You know, I just, my, mat, my heart just moved. As in my heart just moved, I would, I would stop, you know, if I like, I'll go for lectures. <laughs> if I like, I didn't go for lectures. I've not gotten the admission yet. My name has not been anywhere and all that. You know. But I've had the word. And I've believed that word. And that word was my anchor. That's what I was praying about. You know. And if you hear the, if you hear the testimony, and it's a long story, I can't share that tonight, of how I eventually entered the faith. You know, like, this, there was just the hand of God on it. There was just the hand of God in it. Because God has spoken. Now, what did that experience reinforce in my life? Following the leading of the Spirit. Walking by faith. Am I making sense? That built a confidence in God. So that when God tells me next time to do something, I want to what? I want to do it. I want to do it. I got a job so I designed that and they were treating me anyhow that and I prayed and I said, no, this is this is this is this is I don't like this kind of life. This is not me. And this I can't believe in this kind of life. And it wasn't pride. I just I just said this is not what God has, has in store for me. And I prayed about it and I felt the leading of God to resign from that work. And I went to you know my pastor then I carried them along. I said, This is what God is saying. He said, wait a little, I will pray about it. <laughs> he did, and he felt confirmation. I didn't know what was going to be next. I just trusted God. And I resigned. Now, I wasn't frivolous. I wasn't lazy. I was the most hardworking person in my department. But I had a manager who wanted to start playing smart. And see, this is my head. I, I, I don't take nonsense. <laughs> Amen. He said, but despite that, I wasn't rash. I wasn't, you know, I prayed about it and I felt I had the leading of the Spirit to do what? To move. And I moved. See, but I didn't start that day to follow the leading of the Spirit. I started from where? From way back. What was I? I'm fighting for the life of the supernatural. I'm fighting for the what? For the life of the supernatural. In that process, my ability to hear God becomes sharpened. In that process, the confidence 
and the courage to agree with the word. Because sometimes it takes courage for you to agree with all of them. How can God tell you? You know, I remember some years, not too long ago, my wife got a, got a job. And it was a job that was going to pay her 10 times what she, <laughs> she was earning the previous job. And God said no. She said no to it. You know, it takes courage for you to, to, to take action based on that. Even if you have the courage, be careful the person you talk to about that because they will watch you and look at you and say, something wrong with you. Amen. But she did it. We did it because she's not the only one that did it. I should take credit too. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Amen. Two years, is it two years or three years after that? She, and opportunity, this one, she was already working in that place. Much higher than even the one that was entering our eyes. Probably times two or times three of even that one. So you can imagine the first one was times ten of what she was. Now this one, she's gotten the job, she's been there, and it's not even times three. And God, and she fed the lineage of God to resign from, from it and walk away. And we did, not knowing what was the next. But we did not start. If you wait for that day to want to now walk and follow God, you're going to run into trouble. Could run into trouble. Spend your life striving for the what? For begin with the building blocks of not patterning your life after the manner of men. The things we read about in First Timothy six. That's where it starts from. It starts from separating yourself from the rat race and say, "This is not my life. Is not the life where I'm pursuing vain things. God is the one that is going to set to me. I'll be hardworking." I'll be diligent, diligent. I'll be focused, but I know God is the one the word. And this is what this is how Paul described it. He said, Paul does what? Planted. You see, Apollo does what? Waters. Who gave the increase? God gives the increase. Who is giving the increase in your life? Hallelujah. Who is giving the increase in what? When you know that God gives the increase of your life. See, he can decide that you are from level 2. He will take you to level 50. While others are running through 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. It's God. But you must trust him by living the life of what? Of faith. You must trust him by living the life of what? Of faith. And God is faithful. We read in Matthew 6. He said, the father knows you have what? These things. So when you have settled the issue of those little, little things, the things of this life, now you are ready to engage eternal and the supernatural. And when you open that door, you will realize that this is an endless world. This is a world that if they pile ages upon ages, if they pile millennia upon millennia, you will not exhaust the resources of the knowledge of God, the resources of the supernatural, and the realms upon realms of glory that the Lord will be introducing you into. That is what it means to lay on eternal life. It means to pick the treasure of the spirit and bring it into the realm of time and manifest it. Where did the power to walk on water came from? For Jesus. How many of you know he wasn't born with it? How many of you know he wasn't born with it? He acquired it by the walk of the Spirit. 
He did. He did. Where did the strength to go to die on the cross came from? In the place of walking the spirit. So that it's strength you should strive for. Scripture says concerning Sarah, he said by faith Sarah received strength to do what? To conceive seed. That was a major reversal process that was completely she wasn't entitled to at all by the level of her age. But she was able to pick that dimension in the realm of spirit and brought it into the realm of time because she walked by faith. Fight the good fight of faith and do what? Lay hold. Don't ever refuse an opportunity to fight the good fight of faith. Don't ever refuse an opportunity. A lot of times when for us, our natural inclination is to look for a man's solution. No. Ask God for solution first. God, what should I do about this matter? And incline your heart to hear the wisdom of God. That's how it works. Some of us, when we don't have money, the first thing we are looking at our bank account list, beneficiary, <laughs> you are looking at our contact list. No, ask God first. Ask God first. You are planning your life, a career or something. What, what is the next thing for you? Don't, don't, don't get lost in trying to, the multitude of things, you know. Let's, let me go to Google, let me see what's trending. You don't know how, that maybe there is a path God has allocated for you that is not even known. Imagine all these other people, imagine, imagine, uh, imagine Mark Zuckerberg trying to follow the path of what was prevailing, maybe to be a, a banker because bank or a lawyer those are kind of things that are very very you know have a lot of money in you if you're a lawyer in the u.s and you're very good imagine or a musician hallelujah hallelujah people who don't know god sometimes they enter these things and they get these resources of the spirit even though they don't know god how much more you and i that have the Holy Ghost living in us. Hallelujah. God wants us to manifest eternal life here. Here in this world. He wants us to walk in the reality of it. See, but how do you do that? It should what? By fighting the good fight of what? Of faith. Fighting the good fight of faith. We must develop capacity we must develop capacity. We must develop capacity. Hallelujah. Are we blessed this evening? Are we blessed this evening? Have we learned one or two things? Great. My job is done. Amen. Let's, let's, let's rise to our feet and pray. And just ask God for grace. Let's just ask God for grace. You know, maybe next week I would, uh, I would if, if I'm still leading this, I'll take us into another section of this. But tonight, let's just pray. Let's just ask God for grace to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to hear God. I said one critical, you know, requirement of fighting the good fight of faith is the ability to hear God. We must be able to hear God. God must be able to speak to us. Being led by the Spirit, you know, receiving the leading of the Spirit through the Word. Let us pray. There are things in your life now that requires you walking by faith. There are things in your life now that requires you walking by faith. 
or fighting the good fight of faith. Some of us, it is our issue of identity for us. You need to come, you need to, you need to, you need, you need to awaken God's consciousness in your life, who God has called you. And stop looking down on yourself. And stop underestimating, you know, and, and, and undervaluing yourself. You are the choice, you are the choice child of God. Bible said that he has chosen you before the foundation of the world. And he has predestined you unto his glory. You are special. You are special. You are special. You need to fight for your true identity to emerge. You need to fight for your true identity. Say, I am who God says I am. I am a victor. I am not defeated. I am not frustrated. I am not confused. I am not scattered. I am the child of God. Siria proto salahati frekite ni mana. Laho sofretu jeleke baba bobo sofrete de deba. Lete shete te 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 shata. Let's also pray that, Father, I will spend my life pursuing you. I will spend my life pursuing you, manifesting eternal life. I will not follow the traps and the temptations of this world. I will not be chasing after shadows, chasing after vanity like the men of this world. I will not lust after the things of this world. The love of money will not have root in my heart. But rather, I will pursue godliness. I will pursue righteousness. Knowing fully well that when I seek first the kingdom, you will add all the other things to me. Father, I pursue righteousness. I pursue godliness. I pursue faith. I pursue love. I pursue patience. I pursue the things of the spirit. I lay hold on eternal life. I lay hold on eternal life. I lay hold on eternal life. And by that pursuit, my life is changed. My life is transformed. I seek after heavenly things, not things that perish, not things that are of this life. In the name of Jesus, the worth of my life is to lay hold on eternal life. My true worth is to come into all that God has prepared for me. In the name of Jesus Christ.